This podcast is brought to you by the Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seat. The show is about to start. Hey guys, what's up? This is Phoebe. This is Mike. This is episode number 38 of the Mike and Phoebe show. Today we have a very special guest here. We have a couple different people here on the call. We have the Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce. This is Melissa Barnes and we have Randall Rodriguez. Hi guys. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank Thank you. you for being on. And we also have the Paris Valley Airport and Skydive Paris co-owners. This is Patrick Knesser and Melanie Knesser. Welcome guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Yes. So, uh, Melissa, why don't you go into um, a little bit about what Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce and why we're on the call here today? Yes. Hi. Thank you for having us back, Mike and Phoebe. Um, It's great to be here. I'm Melissa Barnes, and I welcome you to the Paris Valley Chambers podcast with a purpose. So we will regularly sit down with local leaders, business owners, and area professionals to discuss a variety of business community topics. We are definitely partnering with some of our executive members, Alternative Twist Radio. So we appreciate this partnership. Um, As mentioned on the call, we also have Chamber Ambassador Randall Rodriguez with us. Thank you for joining us today, Randall. And this month's topic is the proposed Paris Airport Logistics Center and what its development will mean to our local airport. So we are joined by second-generation airport owners, business partners, and siblings, Patrick and Melanie Knatzer. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the podcast with a purpose. Thank you so much. This is exciting to be a part of it, and we're so happy that you want to uh, hear from us today. Absolutely. It's kind of refreshing. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely refreshing with everything going on in this, in this uh, world of ours. You're, You're welcome. welcome. So, um, Pat and Melanie, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and give us a brief history of how your family became owners and the development of the world-renowned Skydive Center. Sis, do you want me to start with the early history and then you roll into our family history, or how do you want to handle it? Yeah, go for it, brother. Okay. Well, first off, I'd, I'd really like to, to thank you all and appreciate your time. I know everybody's busy these days. But uh, something that uh, struck me, and it was pretty amazing, is that the airport the airport just turned 90 years old. We found that out doing some research for this project, uh, this project that we're fighting, unfortunately. Uh, we were digging deep, and, and we found some interesting information that the Paris Chamber of Commerce uh, helped dedicate the Paris Valley Airport October 8th of 1933. So the airport is over 90 years old. So it's really a historical landmark in the area. Um, and the, the, the chamber was was very helpful and, and uh, a part of our celebration. We had a big birthday celebration and it was, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, so the airport started in 1933 and it was used during World War II a little bit for uh, glider training and that kind of stuff during uh, the preparation and during World War II. Uh, it was an active airport and crop dusting and that kind of stuff throughout the early days. Uh, and then in 1962, a guy named Dick Pedley made the very first skydive or parachute jump uh, at the airport, um, and it started a parachute center. Well, the parachute center went on for a few years. It was a small, uh, single airplane type operation. In 1976, my parents were, were into small airplanes and stuff like that, and they uh, uh, they were looking around, and the Paris Valley Airport was for sale. And uh, maybe I'll let you go from there, sis, because it was major culture shock for a couple of kids from the city to come to Paris back in those early days. 
That is true. Um, so yeah, in 1976, mom and dad um, packed us up and we moved from Huntington Beach to the city of Paris. And I often have said, you know, we kind of thought our lives were over about then. Um, but we clearly, over the years of uh, Pat and I now being business partners for 33 years, um, it's been the best thing that could have ever happened to us and our family. So we um, rolled out here in 1976 and um, really mom and dad put everything they had into this airport. And as a family, uh, we we all chipped in and, and did our part. So as young kids, uh, my, my brother shadowed my father in many ways, uh, working and learning to become a, a, a mechanic that he's very well known and, and respected in our industry today. But he's been doing that since he was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. Uh, so he was working on airplanes and then um, uh, learned to fly airplanes and, and uh, has been very instrumental in, uh, you know, keeping Paris on the cutting edge with our aircraft and the safety of our aircraft. Uh, meanwhile, my mom was on the customer service side of things, and uh, you know, I shadowed her and uh, learned how to work in the office and uh, all about you know customer service, and also worked in our little snack shack. And you know, quite frankly, we were taught as young kids uh, one the importance of, of work ethic, but we just never gave up. And it was a, a, a family, or it has been certainly a family venture. Uh, really for the last 47 years. My brother and I ended up, um, we, we were, we'd gone away to college for a bit and then had some other job opportunities. And we left for a few years, but then came back and decided to become business partners and, uh, and did so um, 33 years ago. And we've been business partners ever since. And we have really, we pride ourselves in the team of people that we've uh, managed to, uh, hire and entice to come to Paris to help us create uh, what we believe is is one of the best, if not the best and largest world-class drop zones in the world. And we have a phenomenal staff. Uh, we just added up last month, last year, we had 150 employees over the course of the year. And we have many, if not 20 or 30 of those people that have been here uh 20 years uh, and in some cases up to 27 years with us and most others it's not unheard of to have been here for 10 years or 15 years so it's interesting because I think that um, we have uh, really together with an incredible group of people created a destination a skydiving destination in the city of Paris and are really proud of that wow yeah we, we do anywhere from 120 to 130,000 jumps every year at Paris, which puts us on the map as arguably the largest uh, parachute drop zone in the world, where we do lots of military training, uh, civilian and military, and large uh, world record events. And my sister, she didn't speak much about herself, but she's got 6,000 plus skydives, a world record holder, been on many world records, including a jump for the cause where we raised, uh, oh, I don't know, I think like $5 million for breast cancer. Uh, breast cancer awareness for the city of hope and uh, so we've done she's been involved in many many of those type of events i'm usually stuck flying the airplane or or wrenching on them and and she's doing her part on the other side of the house so it's it's definitely a family business uh it's a i, I believe the community is proud to have us and we're proud to be longtime residents and uh, well paris high school graduates so 
there's a lot there's a lot of love for the small town and this community it's our home we have done uh fundraisers uh over the years and as Kat mentioned uh jump for the cause was a women's world record and we had women from 33 different countries come uh on the final event it, it actually we did them every two and a half years uh, for a decade, but we raised over $2 million uh, for breast cancer research and awareness. And that um, in itself was significant, but I did want to just make that correction because there's a bit of a correction there to be made. Uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, we, we feel like not only do we run a really cool and incredible uh, business with a whole lot of other people's help um but we 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 are proud that it's in the city of paris and it's right in everybody's backyard and you know if they certainly haven't been here yet we invite them to come out because the airport is it's it's free it's it's open to the public and there's just all kinds of you know between airplanes flying the on-site wind tunnel that's a flight simulator in case you don't want to jump out of an airplane you know, that's available. You can make your first skydive. You can just hang out at the restaurant and bar and by the pool and watch all the activity take place. It's it's a pretty exciting place. Yeah, Mike and I, we've gone there uh, several times and we love your facility and it's amazing. Even uh, Mike's parents um, and uh, along with the mayor flew in the flight simulator, the jump simulator. Yeah, the oh, indoor one. Yes. That, indoor. That's more my speed right there. <laughs> that's awesome. It's accurate. You know, that's what's so awesome about it is that, you know, we use it as a training tool in skydiving because that simulation is is pretty close to, to the real thing. This is an incredible history of one of our local Paris gems. And as a Paris resident, we don't believe that we understand how legendary Skydive Paris is. And, you know, being here local, uh, we always drive by, we always see your facility, and we're always amazed um, at what you guys provide our local community. And uh, let's jump into the topic. Before we get into the topic, I would like to know, do you know how many different countries actually come to your drop zone? I know you mentioned 33 for Jump With The Cause, but I was just curious if you guys even have that number. I, think, I, think I all don't of them. know that number. How many countries are there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. <laughs> what uh, a great uh, question. I, and at, at one we'll point in time, we had a world... Yeah, at one point in time, we had a world map up with with pins with push pins on it, and I think just about every point of the world has been covered with somebody somebody that's come to Paris uh, from around the world to to come fall out of airplanes. That would be really cool to see if you guys have that or recreate it. And also, yeah, definitely Paris Skydive Paris has put Paris on the map. You know, a lot of people like to say that they put us on the map, but really, this is what puts us on the map. Well, Hopefully in a good way. And, we, and if you look at most motion pictures because of our location and proximity to Hollywood, um, pretty much all the skydiving stuff that you see is done at Paris, at least all the major motion pictures. Everything from the early point break with Patrick Swayze uh, to the bucket list with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Uh, lately, we've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, Tom Cruise. And uh, we're, we're, we're pretty blessed in that regard. So we're always doing a, a lot of commercials, TV commercials, movies. And that's kind of something that we add to our repertoire. It's, uh, it's, and it's a lot of fun to do, honestly, on my part anyway. But uh, yeah, so we, we kind of get around. Very exciting. Now, um, tell me, what is the Paris Airport Logistics Center? And how exactly will this affect the airport and its future? I don't know why they're using our name because it has nothing to do with the airport other than maybe destroy it, to be honest with you. We are uh, deeply concerned about the project and, you know, just to 
deal on record. It's not that we are opposed to growth, um, you know, surrounding development. Um, that's progress, and the city of Paris is deserving of that. Uh, but the this particular project, it is one of those huge um, industrial buildings that will be 50 feet tall and 2,000 feet long. That's like six football fields. Is that right? Or over um, the the length of? But what is you know, so what's most alarming, though, is, is is not the size, but the size in relationship to the airport property, which we we share uh, adjoining, you know, property line. It is right uh, next to the runway and right adjacent to uh, 50% of our parachute landing areas. We've um, gone to, uh, we've hired a, a wind analysis company um, and they actually have now uh, finished up about a 300-page document so we could validate, really, the, the, the fears that we have as aviation enthusiasts just knowing um, about turbulence and, and how winds, um, if, if, if coming off of these sides of buildings, we, we, our gut told us this is really going to be a bad thing for, for what we do. And Pat can explain more from, from an airplane perspective why that is. But I just wanted to say that we have, in fact, validated that based on a professional wind analysis that this I hate to say the the beginning of the end for the airport, but it is a significantly uh, it, it's it's just a really it's not um, compatible. It's not a compatible use. We won't be able to coexist together. So we are absolutely uh, developing a team of experts to just prove the facts and hope that the community and the city of Paris, you know, chooses the airport and uh, what we bring to the community versus another large industrial building well we we are a public airport we're privately owned but we're open to the public and we we pride ourselves on being open to the public so you have your personal airplane your learjet your little airplane you want to fly in sometime you're more than welcome we have a, a five thousand foot runway which is pretty much unheard of in southern california i mean they're they're out there but it's uh, you look at orange county airport it's only about a six thousand foot runway so they're not that common so we've got a very large facility uh, to accommodate a, a lot of different types of aircraft. And we, we pride ourselves, like I say, in being the Paris Valley, the city of Paris's uh, public airport. Now, it's it's definitely a luxury that the city has has owned, whether they know it or not, without having to pay for it. Uh, many cities have to, like you look at Hemet or you look at Riverside, they have to use uh, city and county funds to maintain their airports. Well, we, with the skydiving and, and being the way we are, we don't, we're not um, accepting of any public funds or state or federal funds like most other airports. We have to do it on our own. And we, we do that through the blessing of the skydiving and our family business. It, it kind of, it gives me pride because we really care about what we do. We care about the public and the individuals being able to use it, but we want to protect their safety. And when it comes to this size structure, just the sheer location is, is the biggest M size. It's, it's, it's the problem. It's uh, if you can look at a, a wave crashing on a beach, if you put a rock out on the sand where the sand is nice and smooth, you watch the wave and the water come over that rock. That's exactly what happens with the air. So now 
we're in a little airplane and we're on short final or even a big airplane you're on short final you're getting ready to land getting ready to touch down the last hundred feet is where it's critical well all of a sudden you have that wave come over that rock which is going to be the building and to make the airplane crash it just or or hit the ground at a, at a violent rate and it also does the exact same thing parachutes because a parachute is a big inflated wing and you're flying it down and you get down to the last point where you're going to touch down and you hit that wave and next thing you know your parachute collapses so these are our concerns you know it's, it's the public safety at the end of the day and the public not only in the not only that's flying an airplane or landing a parachute but then you have the public that's either driving a truck or sitting in one of these offices you know if you put the building in the wrong spot it could be a really bad day for everybody so we um we really as my sister said we're not opposed to development you know we're property owners we understand property rights and and all that stuff but we we want to have something that works well with us you know it'd be really nice to have something that would uh uh support the airport in what we do but i don't know that they can do that because they're looking for the big huge you know warehouse type structures but it would be really nice to have something that that uh, was an addition to the airport and the city and not something that's going to you know cause issues and especially safety issues so that's kind of well and that's my heart of hearts and i kind of bounce around but and if i could expand on that um you know it's used as like a, a six-based operator so uh, at, at airports you have other airport support businesses um you know like uh, an airplane mechanic shop or you know a place where little lear jets could fly into and and have support and fuel and so there's all kinds of other airports that you could see what what are um compatible uses but um interestingly enough before the the landowner sold to this industrial uh, these developers we had a company um they were an international company that had an interest in buying up all of that property to the north and also to the south of the airport and they wanted to develop an extreme sports park and we were so close in fact i called the the landowner and i said please give me give me uh, a couple of weeks or a month or six weeks we are so close to having you know providing a, a buyer for your land and then we learned like two weeks later that it had been sold so unfortunately we almost had the opportunity to develop you know around the airport just an incredible sports park so there are other things in other words the reason i bring that up is there are plenty of other more compatible uses that we are hoping someone will make the decision to to you know help us go in, in a direction that that both parties can you know benefit from so if you want i could tell you where we are in the process yes please definitely that was going okay. to be one of my questions is where is this is this project approved at, and if not where are we in this process yes this project is not approved um we just finished um we were asked to come to the uh paris planning meeting uh just a, a few weeks Scope, ago scoping meeting a, for the eir a scoping and a draft eir meeting for this project so Wait, we did show up what is an eir just for anybody who doesn't know environmental nope. impact review okay and so we we were invited to uh yeah on a local level at the city of paris to to go to that meeting which we did and we invited about 150 of our of our friends <laughs> our skydiving friends <laughs> so we had a, a good amount of support <laughs> show up and we are we are so grateful for for our community it's a tight community a small community and uh when asked that they'll come out and they did so we basically we we've been at 
we've done that, uh, which now I believe there's just the, the secret process begins and there's work from the development side to answer our concerns uh, and then go back to a city level. But meanwhile, we are now preparing for um, December 14th is a pretty significant event for us. It's a meeting that's going to be held at the Airport Land Use Commission in Riverside County, Riverside City. Um, and it's, uh, it is our opportunity. It'll be our third meeting now in front of the commission, both the applicant and ourselves. But we, um, it was postponed um, a couple months, actually three months for us both to do our wind studies and do our analysis. And uh, we are showing up December 14th to, to provide that additional information now that we have actual facts um, and, and you know, information to support our concerns. So December 14th is a big one for us. We plan on showing up with our experts and this information and we're sure the applicant will probably do something similar. But this basically, um, we are, again, opposing the project and hoping that at a county level, at an airport land use uh, commission level, uh, they will recognize uh, the, 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 this, the danger to the airport. And, you know, this panel of people are supposed to be ensuring that development around an airport and from an airport, you know, on both sides, that it is safe to do so. And there are many reasons why this is not safe. So it'll be really interesting to see what decision is made uh, in the end. But we are hopeful through facts uh, and experts and knowledge, um, we can prove to them that we need to all go back to the drawing board. And we are happy to sit back, you know, sit down with these guys and figure out a compatible use. And we hope that that's what we will learn and, on December 14th. Yeah, and this, this meeting on December 14th is a public meeting. It's open to the public. Uh, the meeting, the doors, I believe, open around 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. And uh, it's open to public comment. And it's actually open to comment prior to uh, via via the, the uh, Airport Land Use Commission staff in Riverside County Airport's Land Use Commission. And it's off of uh, Lemon Street in uh, downtown Riverside is where the main main building is. It's where the city council uh, for the city of Riverside meets. That's their council chambers, basically. But uh, we, we would appreciate it. Any, uh, any help and support at that time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And Patrick and Melanie, uh, what do you foresee the future for the airport if this uh, project is approved? Well, ho hopefully it won't get approved as mm -hmm. as proposed, because if so, it's going to not necessarily be a good thing for the flying, for the flying public. Like I say, whether they're in an airplane or under a parachute, and for that matter, the person sitting at their desk in their office in one of these buildings. So, and I'll answer it this way. I mean, we don't know. We 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 know what we know. I mean, the the information and the data that's being provided to us is really scary. We will have to alter the way we do business because what's most important to us is that we can do what we do safely, and our our customers are our family, and we will take every measure possible to ensure that the operation that we do maintain is done safely. And and the scary part about this is that when when this turbulence comes up and over these buildings, it's it's 
you know, people have referred to this as a, a silent killer. You cannot see the wind and how it is disturbed. You you hopefully will pick it up in wind socks and that sort of thing, but it could be it could be that you're under your parachute, you're flying in on final, and guess what? The winds pick up, the winds change, this happens, this is normal, right? Every day, every hour things are changing. And and the part that is scary for us is that it's not always predictable and it's not always something you can plan for like, Oh, 10 o'clock, we're going to stop using the runway because we know the winds are going to come up. Do you know what I'm saying? So for us, the difficult part about this is we don't even know what is in store for us. All we know is it'll never be the same skydive Paris that we are today. It's just not possible to do it safely. Paris Valley Airport as well. I mean, we're open to the public and we don't open and close because the wind starts to blow. The, the the flying public comes flying in and they don't, you know, they're getting ready to land and it looks like a normal day. And next thing you know, they're they're in a big downdraft or turbulence. Uh, like if you were flying in a jet airplane where you get beat up and, you know, they tell you to put your seatbelts on. Well, they, they obviously wouldn't know that on short final. And next thing you know, somebody gets hurt or an airplane crashes. And it's, it's you know, it's potentially, it's really scary. As especially as a pilot. You guys would discuss that you have your reports coming back, your studies coming back. Um, are Has this ever been a problem before for airports? Is this something new that's developing as an issue? Are you guys leading the charge in this issue since now we are developing these huge industrial tilt-ups? What a great question because we learned just that at the ALUC level. They literally said, We've never had to look at mechanical turbulence from buildings of this size next to airports. And um, although, you know, March Air Force Base, there's a huge, you know, industrial building site there, but it, it, I'm, and I'm not sure to what depth they looked at, but there is a fair amount of distance between it and the runway. And, and we've even heard that there's already some issues, but I don't know enough yep. to speak about that. But what I can say is that ALUC themselves, and again, this is the Airport Land Use Commission, and they are to protect the safety of the public, both from airport development and, and development around the airport. They've said that they've never had to deal with this, and they don't know if they are uh, equipped to deal with this now. And we're like, please, you have to deal with this now. We are one of the largest skydiving centers in the world don't lose this gym because you're not quite ready to deal with it. And so we are hopeful. We are so hopeful that, you know, they haven't given us the time and now it's going to be really interesting. Are they going to take this information and look at it seriously enough and, and realize that now is the time to be looking at this more seriously? A lot of this has just came out of the fact that everybody's going online and doing all their purchasing online. So this, these big box buildings, like you see, are popping up all over the place because um, because of the online purchasing and just the way our, our society is, is um, you know, we don't go to the shopping mall anymore. We, we go online. Well, yeah. uh, airport land and around airports is typically the cheapest uh, kind of worst property around. And that's why there's airports there, whether it be a floodplain or, or another environmental issue. That land is, is typically the undesirable land that is the, the cheapest um, land like I say, around. Well, that's where they build these big buildings. And they're looking for big open space, cheapest land possible. And so airports around the country are now getting surrounded by these big buildings. And it's becoming a problem. 
um, mainly touch base on March Air Force Base, I can allude a little bit more. Um, I, I know some Air Force pilots that are flying in and out of March regularly, and that big, huge target building that runs down the runway is starting to cause them issues. They're seeing issues with not only the uh, the wind coming off, off of the building out of the west, it beats up even the big military airplanes a little bit, but the the sheer size has changed all the avionics. Uh, they A lot of the airplane avionics are referenced to the ground. Well, they've built all these buildings on the in the approach areas and stuff so now their radar altimeters they call them are no longer accurate because the height of the building is is put into the equation and the approaches and a lot of stuff that they have to do to, to land uh, the information is becoming uh, inaccurate where they or they have to rewrite the material and uh, another thing that people don't see is the electronic signature a lot of these big buildings you'd think they'd have lots of employees well they don't they have a lot of robots a lot of automated automation going on and the emissions, the electronic emissions coming out of these buildings affects the radios and the navigation equipment. Um, a lot of times we'll be on approach and coming in from the north, even here at Paris, and the radios will all of a sudden just go staticky where you can't hear anything. And it's it's emissions from from ground, you know, ground-based equipment. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of factors that happen with these big buildings that people don't know about um, that, that directly affect aviation and even the public safety now with the military, because that being a big part of our business, we do a lot of military training here. That's probably the, the, another secret of ours. But that's that's really what uh, keeps us alive. Is is we we train all the elite military groups um, uh, within our country and other NATO approved countries. Um, the the uh, British military, the German military, the Canadian military. We do all the the top secret boys um, training. And so that kind of stuff is affected, even down to night vision goggles when they're trying to land their parachutes. There's, there's a lot of things that, that these, these are going to affect a lot of these building, potential buildings are going to affect a lot of what we do and the safety of what we do. Well, that's huge that um, March Air Reserve Base built, you know, allowed that building there and didn't realize the implications of that building near their airport and it's cumulative though these buildings you know it starts with one it's not a big deal but when you have you know a, a, a quite a few of these big monsters in a row next thing you know it, it kind of takes over the whole environment and that that's what we're seeing so it's not yeah. it's not only and just you know, the one it's a cumulative effect that's exactly what i was gonna uh expand on it just reminded me that um and this may be another podcast you would be interested in in looking into but uh when we started to look more closely at the at the industrial buildings that are being proposed on the south end of Paris. Um, it is not just this building and how it's going to affect the airport, but we're um, looking at, uh, there is a 3 million square foot uh, building that is proposed within a mile of the airport. It's just south, it's on Mapes Road. Um, and they are proposing like 800 truck, truck, uh, trucks and trailers um, to be operating in and out of there. And ours too has 323 trucks and trailers. And there's, you know, there's a couple other projects. There's that real big one across from the post office even. There is going to be so much truck and trailer um, traffic on the south end of Paris. It's like, do we even have the infrastructure, the roads to be able to accommodate that one? But secondly, the emissions that they are learning are so detrimental to people's health. I mean, you know, the concentration of these big industrial buildings being built uh, and thank goodness, most of them have not already been approved. So there is, I think, still an opportunity for us to reach out to the local community and say, do you realize this is happening? And and this is what you're, you know, 
what it's going to look like uh, um, in the near future if if we don't speak up and and have a voice. Yeah, and and we know Menifee actually um, is also building their warehouses on their north end of town, which is our south end of town. So I mean, it's going to be compounded with more development. Well, the, the crazy thing is, and Melanie was talking about emissions. Well, we don't think about the brake dust. And I, I have a good friend of mine that's an expert in the in the trucking field, and and he's a key has about 500 trucking trailers themselves himself so he knows he knows the implications directly um the brake dust in the back in the day we were all worried about asbestos well the type of material they use with the carbon fiber and the metallic material in the brakes of today on these trucks it's just like asbestos they've got metal shards that turn into a dust form they get picked up and you inhale them well they, they embed themselves in your lungs and they're carcinogen they cause cancer there's that and then there's another chemical within what they make the tires out of uh that that is the same way so combining that plus the diesel exhaust which is the number one cause of lung cancer in, in the united states from what i understand um it kind of creates a really toxic environment when you're talking that this project alone has 156 doors off the top of my head. The average use, when you see one of these buildings, they program it as a five-day, five-truck-per-door-per-day project. So if you have 156 doors times five trucks per day times two times they're going to be in and out of your facility, now you're looking at just this project alone, like 1,500 times a truck potentially is going to be going up and down Getz Road in front of the airport just for this one project. So you take that plus the others, it, it gets, it's really, the numbers get, get staggering. And they also have uh, on the east side of our runway, so we are actually surrounded by this development, but on the east side of the runway, it's a truck and tractor parking storage area for 323 or 53 slots. But what's interesting about that, one, that's gonna create um, turbulence off of those structures alone because it's kind of a big a big wall. Um, anyway, that, that, that's, that creates issues too, sadly. But if you can, we, we also understand that those trucks are gonna be moving from being parked on the east side of our runway across the top of our runway over to the developments on the other side of our runway. And these are big trucks full of gas and crossing right at the end of the runway. It's like, there's just not a whole lot of good about this. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's just a, a lot of scary aspects. So now, uh, Pat or Melanie, um, how can we support you at this point? You mentioned the December 14th meeting in Riverside. Uh, we can invite, you know, the public out and uh, bring all the community out there to support you. How else can people support you um, regarding this project if they want to voice their opinion? Um, what would you like to see happen at this point? Well, we thank you very much. And we, we are... Um we have a, a now a committee to kind of help us uh, organize and get the information out. In fact, Randall is uh, of that committee, and I'm going to let him speak for us and how best to plug in and uh, stay informed. And um, we appreciate so much uh, the local community coming out and and learning more and making their decision, but also just uh, hopefully seeing that we are a worthwhile uh, business to the local community uh, and one that is, um, I guess, one that they want to support. But uh, let's hand right. it over to Randall. Thank you both, Melanie and Pat. So Randall Rodriguez, Ambassador with the Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce. 
And here we want to get everybody involved. We want this, you know, this just seems very, very detrimental. Things here are happening in the city of Paris that we need to be concerned about. We need to be aware about whether we're a resident, a business owner, or just somebody in there in this area and has this, you know, and has been to this local gym. And I call it, it's a hidden gym in, in, in the city of Paris. You know, they, they have a bomb shelter restaurant, which is an amazing place to just sit down, have, uh, go eat there and watch the parachuters come down. They have a wind tunnel. They're known internationally. They have movies made there. I mean, we're hearing, we're hearing a lot of everything from military to entertainment and everything that goes on in that location. So we definitely want the support of the community here, near, local and far. So we, you know, here at, um, the chamber, you know, these, they are one of our members and we want to support them. And if you want to support them and get involved, you know, the basic thing is just get involved, get to know what Skydive Paris is. Go to skydiveparis.com on their website. You can see all that information, whether you're interested in skydiving or uh, indoor skydiving, whether wind tunnel, whether you want to just uh, visit the restaurant at the bomb shelter there they have all their social media social media links at the bottom of their website page and if you want to get involved you want to start submitting letters and help and show your support you can even email them over to info at skydiveparis.com once again that's info at skydiveparis.com so i'm going to urge and challenge the public and everybody whether you're a business owner or a person a resident or anybody just, you know, let's not let one of these gyms be taken away from the city of Paris. So get involved and uh, we'll, we'll be waiting for your support and welcoming them with open arms. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And Mike and I were so happy to be able to bring awareness to this important community cause. And um, we're happy that we're able to let people know about this. And at the end, uh, Melissa, do you want to uh, talk about a little bit about the chamber? What's going on? Definitely. So right now, obviously, we're closing out our year. We've got a little bit quieter, um, but we do have our end of year jingle mingle coming up actually on December 14th in the evening. So you still have plenty of time to make it to the ALEC meeting to support Skydive Ferris. But December 14th at 6 p.m., we will have our annual jingle mingle, which is just a great time to wrap up the year, celebrate everything we've accomplished, all of our successes, all of our lessons. And it's a great time to also pick up some last minute Christmas gifts as we will have a top shelf bottle auction, raffles of all kinds of different prizes, a wine toss, great food, great company. So just come out and, and join us December 14th at the Derby Room here in Paris. Awesome. December 14th is going to be a busy day. Sure we're going to be there in Riverside supporting Skydive. And then in the evening, we're going to go and uh, party at... <laughs> At the, there with the chamber. So it's going to be a very busy day on December 14th, a very important day for the chamber and skydive. And we're so happy to have Skydive Paris here to talk to us about their um, important issue. And we're so happy that Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce is also here to help uh, navigate this. And in the future, we're going to be having more podcasts with the Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce as Alternative Twist Radio and Barn Door Radio. We are both members, so we are happy to have them return and uh, do a continuing series for the Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce. Absolutely. So again, this is Melissa Barnes, office office manager at the Paris Valley Chamber of Commerce, Randall Rodriguez, a marketing consultant and ambassador. And we also have Paris Valley Airport and Skydive in Paris, the co-owners, Patrick Connoisseur and uh, Mel Melanie Connoisseur there. Thank you so much, you guys. We appreciate you. Thank, thank you, you liking hey, Thank you. We greatly thank you. appreciate your time. Everybody have a Merry Christmas if we don't get to talk to you before then. 
Thanks for listening to The Mike and Phoebe Show on Alternative Twist Radio. If you missed any past episodes, just search The Mike and Phoebe Show or Alternative Twist Radio on any major podcast app. 